Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Bethel Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Amy Beveridge, serving today with our music and sound team, and this is our virtual worship experience. Welcome to all of you, our online family. I want to take a moment to thank you all who have contributed time and funds and supplies to our quilts and our kits. This is a year-long project that we do, and it takes just that much time to gather everything that we need. And today we officially bless what we have gathered at church and get our quilts and kits ready for their send-off with Lutheran World Relief. Once they leave our sanctuary, they head to sites around the globe, disaster recovery zones and refugee camps, remote and underserved communities, and we will say a prayer of gratitude in just a moment for all the wonderful work done by our members. And thank you for your willingness, again, to make this project happen. We couldn't do it without the effort of the whole community. Two other housekeeping reminders. Do make sure that you sign up on our website to be on our regular email list if you haven't already. That is the best way to keep up with all the events of the week and more. Just reach out through the contact us button and let us know that you want to be included. And I also encourage you while you are on the site to make a donation towards the upkeep of these online worship experiences. They don't just happen, we pay for them and for the skills it requires to pull these off. So again, thank you in advance for contributing to making our online presence possible. Okay, I think that's all for us. Let us come together now on this beautiful autumn day to worship our creator who sends us rain. Yes, that happened this week. Our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer in spirit and truth. Amen.
I'm going to pray a prayer written by Mary Christensen, who's part of the Martha Circle group that uh, shepherds all these quilts and kits into, into being over the course of the year. And she wrote this, Our dear Father in heaven, we here at Bethel Lutheran are so happy that you have given us the joy of this ministry of making quilts for those in the world who need them. The women here at Martha Circle want to acknowledge the humility of our commitment to serve you and others. We thank you that we are part of a larger community who share in the desire to create warmth for those who are cold. We thank you that for every quilt patch, every fabric chosen, every color coordination that we have endeavored to put together, there will be someone on the receiving end of these beautiful quilts who will appreciate the beauty and the love they represent. We pray for your blessing on each and every quilt. We pray that the angels will guide them into the right arms and that their new owners will feel the warmth and love from us here in Templeton and here at Bethel Lutheran Church. May these quilts become a bridge, a network of love which connects us to you and to each other. Dear God, we pray that by our work in these quilts, others might be encouraged to do loving work for each other and thereby to encourage a community of sharing in your love and in providing for the needy so that the gifts of paying it forward into the future might continue. And Lord, our entire church community here has donated towards the school kits for students with able hands who sewed the school kit bags. Each one has been lovingly constructed by faithful members who we are so proud to have with us here. We know you are pleased when each of us offers a sacrifice of a few moments, a few prayers, a few stitches for others, and a few errands to gather things that others might not be able to afford. We offer to you our gifts of the quilts, the school kits, and the personal care kits. Each one has been made with the incredible detail and care, and most of all, they can be considered as offerings to you. May everyone who receives one of these gifts feel our love, but most importantly, your love. Please accept our offerings to you from each of us here at Bethel Lutheran. In your name we pray. Amen. The trumpets sound, the angels sing, the feast is ready to begin. The gates of heaven are open wide, and Jesus welcomes you inside. Sing with thankfulness songs of pure delight. Come and revel in heaven's love and light. Take your place at the table of the King. The feast is ready to begin. The songs of pure delight come and revel in heaven's love and light take your place at the table of the king the feast is ready to begin the feast is ready to begin the hungry heart he satisfies offers the poor his paradise now here all heaven and earth upon amazing goodness of the Lord. Sing with thankfulness songs of pure delight. 
Come and revel in heaven's love and light. Take your place at the table of the king. The feast is ready to begin. The feast is ready to begin. Sing with thankfulness songs of pure delight. Come and revel in heaven's love and light. Take your place at the table of the king. The feast is ready. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Have mercy on us, Lord, and hear our solemn prayer. We come to Let us pray. O God, rich in mercy, you look with compassion on this troubled world. Feed us with your grace and grant us the treasure that comes only from you. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. This morning, as we travel with Paul and Silas and Timothy too now, we travel with them after their Philippian adventures, we come to the city of Thessalonica. They're still in their second missionary tour around the Mediterranean. And again, if you want to supplement your Bible readings, check out those two letters in the New Testament to go along with this story, the Thessalonians. They have quite a bit of end time flair to them. They were written at different times, of course, as our story today, but it's the same community. And the thing to notice now is how the journey is changing somewhat. As they get closer and closer to Rome, deeper into the empire, the tone and the intensity of their encounters begins to amplify. So as we hear the reading today, pay attention to those details. What feels more pressing? What part of the plot takes a step further than what we have encountered thus far? And last week was pretty bad with the flogging in jail, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes, but see if you can detect it yourselves. Okay, here we are further into Macedonia, which is now modern Greek territory. A reading from the book of Acts, chapter 17. After Paul and Silas had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom, and on three Sabbath days argued with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This is the Messiah, Jesus, 
whom I am proclaiming to you. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and with the help of some ruffians in the marketplaces, they formed a mob and set the city in an uproar. While they were searching for Paul and Silas to bring them out to the assembly, they attacked Jason's house. When they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some believers before the city authorities, shouting, These people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also, and Jason has entertained them as guests. They are all acting contrary to the decrees of the emperor, saying that there is another king named Jesus. The people and the city officials were disturbed when they heard this, and after they had taken bail from Jason and the others, they let them go. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from Psalm 146. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God all my life long. Do not put your trust in princes, in mortals, in whom there is no help. When their breath departs, they return to the earth. On that very day, their plans perish. Happy are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord their God who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. Who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the strangers. He upholds the orphan and the widow. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations. Praise the Lord. Amen. Until our hearts are stirred Alleluia, Lord, we sing For the good news that you bring A reading from the Gospel of Luke, the 16th chapter. This is a story told by Jesus, and he spoke this. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. And he called out, Father Abraham! 
Have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed, so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, Then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them, so that they will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets, they should listen to them. He said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. And he said to him, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will be they convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. When it comes to Paul's journey, and don't worry, I am going to tackle a little bit of uh, Luke's disturbing parable today too. There's a couple of details here that really jump out. It's a short visit that we have here to Thessalonica. It's not really that many verses, but notable because their forays into Gentile territory are becoming more dangerous. The accusations against them are so clear this week. Kingship, that's the issue. Who is your king? Yes, there is jealousy between leaders over attention and followers. There is panic over the splintering of the community. But think about what it means to be living as a religious minority in an empire where you are periodically persecuted depending on the whims of Caesar. Think about what it means to quarrel in a small community like that within yourselves, to find yourselves in factions, just how weak you become, especially when you already are in an insecure position. Now, for example, this is why foreign entities are always messing with our social media and promoting stories that slice us into politicized factions. Disunity equals weakness. In the ancient world especially, your life might depend on your unity and your loyalty to the emperor in a way that was more crucial the closer you got to Rome on the map or the more deeply you went into those large and wealthy cities. In this city, the empire had power, and when someone else came along and they said, we have a different king, someone with persuasive power, with charisma, that very someone was bringing danger with them. They are turning the world upside down, the locals cried out. And this time, just taking Paul and Silas to jail wasn't enough. The violence intensifies. A mob is formed. The ones punished are simply hosts to these missionaries. Jason and the others are guilty by association. Our Christian friends here have to flee. In future verses, we don't hear it, but you can check it out for yourselves. In the rest of Acts 17, not only do they flee, but they have to split up when they are pursued outside the city. Now to our trained scriptural ears and our practiced Lutheran hymn singing, I hope a few of you are remembering Mary, mother of Jesus, who sang out these very words in the wake of discovering she was pregnant. The meaning of her son's birth, she said, will be the writing of the world. The lowly will be elevated. The powerful cast down. The proud will be the ones scattered. The faithful will be gathered. The hungry will be filled with good things. And the rich will be sent away empty. So when the townspeople accuse them, they are turning the world upside down. There is a profound irony for us to savor here. The world is actually turning right side up, just as was promised first by the prophets, then preached in the good news that Mary spread. 
one of the things that I have not emphasized in my teaching of Acts in this season is the economic impact of this gospel message spread by these missionaries. But as we start to hear verses like these, where kingship threatens the empire, in fact, we've been hearing them all along in this book, where the expected order of daily life is reversed, money and livelihoods are one part of communal and individual identity that will be shaken to the core by this reordering. To be really clear here, it's not money that is the problem in and of itself. Remember Lydia, she was quite well-to-do and the church had other benefactors that were well-to-do. So the problem is not money, it's how it's used and how tightly we hold it and how we organize ourselves around it, the behaviors we use with money. And specifically, the Bible interrupts greed and exploitation. The wrong attitude about money, the wrong practices of money means that it's a symptom of idolatry. Idolatry and violence, these are the core issues for Jewish communities and these fledgling Jesus followers. And it has been so since the beginning of the Hebrew scriptures. Who is your God? Who do you worship? Who do you proclaim your king? Who do you depend upon to secure your life, your whole life, physical, spiritual, one life? That tells you who your God is. Remember what Luke says, you can't serve two masters. Again, you have one life. Who does it belong to? And how you answer is going to have an economic impact. And if it doesn't, then its integrity needs to be questioned. If you read the Bible and you get through it without questioning your money habits, then I'm not preaching about it enough or in the right way. So take a step back with me and just appreciate how many times economic upheaval is a driver in these stories. Ananias and Sephora lie about their ownership of property. In Philippi, Paul and Silas are arrested because they free a slave who supplied the income of her owners. You'll see next week in Athens, Paul standing against idolatry. And while it isn't stated in the verses, I just want us to imagine the economic life connected to the temples of these gods and goddesses, the goods and the services, let alone the exploitive practices that would have flowed as people traveled to these cities. You can't say there is another king or this god is nothing but a human invention without there being economic fallout and therefore political division. There is no safety in the gospel, at least not the kind of safety this world can give us. And just to reinforce the idea that the New Testament concerns itself with how we are with our wealth, think of the parables in Luke, and there are so many that invite us to take an honest look at our way of life in God's kingdom. Jesus forces the question, where do we find salvation? The dishonest manager who can't be faithful with a little, let alone with much. The rich fool in his barns. Or think of Zacchaeus, the tax collector, who we remember from Vacation Bible Camp, and many more, including today's dark story that Jesus tells us about the rich man who finds himself tormented in the afterlife. It is an unrelenting tale. First, a chasm that can't be crossed, and then the seemingly cold insistence that God has already provided everything we need to live well in accordance with his commands about wealth and idolatry and the value of human life. Now, it is a parable. It's not a factual account of the way things are, but it reveals something about God. And more than that, even, it does something to us. 
Remember that insight that some of us had in Bible study this week. The Bible is not just for us to learn from. It's not an informational document so much as it is a transformational word. It is meant to do something to us. It is meant to disturb our assurances so we can follow Jesus with more integrity. Jesus does not paint a pretty picture here. He does not console, at least the rich. He problematizes. He creates doubt in our belief that money has the power to bring us everlasting life. And frankly, anyone of any financial status can make that mistake. To circle back to Paul, who is on the mission Jesus put before him, I don't think Paul has an economic agenda when he's out there on these ancient tours preaching the death and resurrection of Jesus. I don't think everything can be reduced to the clash between social classes and scripture. But I absolutely do believe that when you commit yourself to the one God, there is economic fallout that will bring trouble. It will trouble your spirit. It will trouble your daily life. And when you go deeply enough, it will trouble the community and its politics of empire. Glennon Doyle, a contemporary author, a social media type, tells a parable of her own that I find meaningful for Christian life. I've shared it in small groups before, but I never tire of telling a good illustration. She said in an interview years ago how she thinks about her work in human advocacy and service. She said, there's this river and caught up in the rapids and flowing downstream are a bunch of people who are in danger of drowning. She and others like her jump in the river and they start dragging people to shore, but it never stops. No matter how many times she tries to save them, there are always more. Eventually someone says, hey, why don't we go upriver and find out who's throwing all these people in the water? As we bless these quilts and send off our packages of school supplies and small care kits for people to bathe and take care of their bodies, I encourage you to join the hope for God's future, that we might be brave enough to look upriver and find out the injustice at the source, that we might be brave enough to trust God's life and not our wealth, that we might be brave enough to do that work of self-examination and honest assessment that life in Christ necessarily entails. Are we brave enough to crown our true king? Someday, beautiful and generous and loving as they are, there will be no need to sew warm quilts. Someday, there will be no need to shop for basic goods. There will be no disasters, no hungry children, and the borders of war will find peace. Let us pray for this world and that we may continue to be a part of this kingdom come. Amen. Bright, who will bear my light to 
I believe in God the Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. O God of justice and love, we give thanks that you illumine our way through life with the words of your Son. Give us the light we need, awaken us to the needs of others, and at the end, bring all the world to your feast. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory forever. Amen. Remember us in your kingdom, O God, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
my soul cries out with a joyful shout that the God of my heart is great. And my spirit sings of the wondrous things that you bring to the ones who wait. You fixed your sight on your servant's plight, and my weakness you did not spurn. So from east to west shall my name be blessed, could the world be about to turn. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Rage from age to age, we remember who holds us fast. God's mercy must deliver us from the conqueror's crushing grasp. This saving word that our forebears heard is the promise which holds us bound. Till the spear and rod can be crushed by God, who is turning the world around. My heart shall sing of the day you bring, let the fires of your justice burn. Wipe away all tears, for the dawn draws near, and the world is about to turn. Go in peace, love and serve the Lord.
Amen.